What's up, everyone, and welcome to the dorm room. I'm Charlie Rook. And I'm Baxter Friedman. And we created this podcast so that we can talk to some pretty cool athletes and outdoorsmen and hear their life stories and learn some pretty cool things. Let's get into it. What is up, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Dorm Room. I'm Charlie Rook, alongside Baxter Friedman, and today we're here with ultra-marathoner Andrew Glaze, and we're so excited to talk to him about running a little bit. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I, I'm 45, and I live in California. I am a father of three, married, and I am a fire captain for a profession. So in my spare time, I tend to run a lot. Right now, I am on a 159-week streak of running over 100 miles every week. And then peppered in between those 100-mile weeks, I like to run 100 to 200-mile races for fun. So yeah, that's the, the long and the short of it. Basically, a normal guy with a really bad running problem. You could have worse problems, I think, for yeah, sure. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're crazy, but I. <laughs> um, it's better than crystal math. Absolutely, that's very true. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let's start at the beginning then. So, how did you like begin your running journey? Then, did you just kind of wake up one day and say, you know what, I want to be an ultra marathoner, or you know, how did it start? No, no. I mean, I, I my running journey started pretty slow. One, I didn't start running until I was, I think, around 24. I was like super, super unhealthy. Uh, overweight. I was smoking like two packs of cigarettes a day, drinking, just really living an unhealthy lifestyle. And uh, I started just getting like a lot of anxiety, depression and things like that. I didn't really know why. One of my like mentor type people was like, you know, you're 24 and you're really inactive and you're leading this unhealthy lifestyle. Why don't you try exercise? And I was like, oh, I never thought about that. So went to a gym, started working out, got a personal trainer, just started getting back into shape and quit smoking cigarettes. As that progressed, I decided to take a class at a local community college on on exercise science. And part of the class was I had to run a mile and a half. And so pretty much never stopped after that. Um, Now my progressions into ultra running and like long distance was far, far away from that time period. But like, that's pretty much the origin story of me running. Um, And then I just, I kept running, I kept lifting weights, I kept staying physically fit which led me into the profession of firefighting. And then through just like, I mean, I didn't even know ultra running was a real thing until I was, I think until I was like 34 or something like that. I finally heard about it. I'd never, I never even knew people ran past a marathon length. Mm -hmm. I didn't know people ran hundred mile races or I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, once I got into that world, then it was like, you know, I I really enjoy running really far. But, uh, you know, I did a lot of 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, um, all that sort of stuff before I got into the ultra distance. Such a crazy story. What specifically was it that was like that made you stop? And like, how did like how did you get over that addiction? Well, it's like, I mean, back then, because I'm an old man, like the whole idea behind mental health and everything wasn't as accessible as it is now. You know, I mean, we, I didn't have like resources like the internet that really would like kind of outline, like, I didn't know what anxiety was. You know, I didn't, I, I, all I know is like, I felt really shitty and like, I would get like a fluttering in my chest and like, I feel dizzy. I'd feel like I was going to like pass out. Probably I was hyperventilating or something, but I didn't know what was going on. And there wasn't like the resources like available back then to be like, 
Hey dummy, you're, you know, you're unhealthy and your, your body is like freaking out. So like figure it out. Uh, you know, there wasn't anything out there. So I'm not big on taking medications. So like, you know, I was trying to look for a solution that would, you know, not have me just taking pills, not, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. That's just not really my vibe. Like I said, I had a mentor that was like, Hey, you're 24, like 24 year old men are supposed to be, and I'm sure women too, but he was talking to me, mm -hmm. um, are supposed to be active and you're not active and you haven't been active in a really, really long time. And, you know, if you start moving that body, maybe some of that anxiety will go away. And it did like pretty much as soon as I started working out, as soon as I started putting like real effort into physical fitness and then, of course, what comes with physical fitness, you start thinking about your diet, you start thinking about hydration, and you start thinking about all the things you're supposed to do in life. But, you know, back then, there was no, nobody told you about any of this stuff. I didn't know about it. That's why I took a, a college class on it. I mean, I, I already had a bachelor's degree. And uh, I was living somewhere that had like just community college classes that like adults could go take. And I was like, well, oh, I'll take an exercise science class because I had no idea about exercise science. I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing or anything. So I was like, you know, there wasn't like the internet. Well, there was the internet, but there wasn't like the internet like now. Yeah. So it's not like I could just go like learn about it. Like, you know, now if you want to learn about something, you can just like go on Twitter or TikTok and like type it in and there's like eight or YouTube and there's 800 videos on everything. Right. We didn't have that back then. So I actually took a class to try to like learn more about my body and how it works and what it needs and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like how I quit smoking and all that. I, I like, I used exercise. Like every time I wanted a cigarette, I would go on a bike ride and I would just ride my bike until I didn't want a cigarette anymore, which sometimes was, you know, quite a long ways, but that's, that's how I dealt with it. So quitting smoking is like one of the hardest things I've ever done. It's, it's a really, really, really hard thing to do because the body really wants it. So it, it wasn't easy. And, and there was definitely a lot of uh, mental pain and struggle, but you know, here I am 20 something years later. And, you know, I don't ever crave cigarettes anymore. So it all worked out. That's such a cool way to do it to just say, you know what, actually, instead of smoking a cigarette, I'm going to go to a bike ride or like, I'm, I'm going right. to work out instead. Right. You started to work out and get in the gym. And so then obviously that's how running started. So what was it about running to you that like more specifically appealing to you when you were working out? Or was it just kind of everything first and then running happened later? So, I mean, I, I kept lifting weights. I kept doing all that. I actually, I did a lot of things before I like became a full-time runner. Like I did triathlons. I did a lot of triathlons. So I really, I mean, I really liked the whole biking, running. I'm terrible at swimming, but um, I grew up in Southern California. So I've spent a fair lot, fair amount of time swimming. But um, so I, in triathlons, like I found that uh, I was terrible at swimming. I'd always come out like of the ocean last. Um, then I get on the bike and I was like decent on the bike, but like, you know, nothing amazing, but then I would like start running and like, I, I, I was really good at running. So it's kind of like that, like sort of progression where it's like, I'm actually pretty good at this. Um, and so I, I think when you're like kind of good at something, then it like makes it more appealing. I mean, if I was like really good at swimming, maybe I'd be like a swimmer right now, but I'm terrible at swimming. So, and it's like, I was never like super fast or anything like that, but when I was younger, I wasn't like super slow, you know, I mean, I, I was like somewhat competitive, um, uh, on some of those races. So, you know, that, that was kind of cool too. And, and yeah, I'd say like when you're good at something, then like you, obviously you just you keep working at it, you get better and better. I, do you guys know the, like the 10,000 hour rule about like you do something for 10,000 hours to master it. Mm -hmm. And so it's yes. like, 
I definitely have 10,000 hours of running and, yeah. and I'm, you know, you, you learn, you learn a lot about your body. You learn a lot about what you can do when you just keep doing it more and more, you become a, a master of it. So, but then on the flip side of that, as you get older, you get slower. So it's like, it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah. If you could explain to everyone that's listening, uh, what, what is the 10,000 hour rule? Um, okay. So it's, uh, Maxwell gold. God, you're gonna have to look it up. I'll, I'll think of what the book's called, but he wrote a book and um, in the book, he he talks about the 10,000 hour rule, which is like, it's displayed multiple times in the book. Like, I think he brings up uh, like Tiger Woods putting and like, um, in order to become a master of putting, Tiger Woods would putt for hours a day, even after he was like winning and doing all this stuff. Like he was still out there putting for like three, four hours a day. That's like the only way to really master something. Like, and if you think about how many hours 10,000 are, if you were to do like one hour a day, for a year, that's only 365. You know, so if you do three hours a day, that's like a little over a thousand hours. So you'd have to do it for 10 years. So it's it's quite a bit of time to to really master something. That's sort of where I'm at with running because I've done it for so long, so many hours a day that I that I really feel like every aspect of running I understand. And um, I think like the frustration with running with new runners is they want to be like me or they want to be like someone that's like really, really good. There's no shortcuts. Like, you know, like, uh, that's for sure. how do you get to be on my level? It's not just as easy as just like, oh, you just go run a hundred miles a week. Like, well, if you do that, your body is going to get an overuse injury and you're going to fall apart, you know, right, right away. You, you can't just go out and, and like, just run really far. Like you have to train your body to do it um, slowly over years and years and years. And, and nobody really wants to like hear that. Nobody really wants to accept the fact that like, it takes a really long time to, to like get good at something. It takes a really long time to let your body adapt to it. And so people get frustrated people are like, man, running sucks, man. It's hard. It's like, yeah, it is hard. And it takes a really long time, but it's, it's like, what's the old saying? The, the, the journey is the reward. It's a long journey, but like every part of the journey is like really rewarding. So you just got to keep going. Outliers is the book. Outliers, yes. Yeah. If you Google outliers, that's the book. We'll look it up and throw it in the, uh, the, okay, the preview. Yeah, but no, I wanted to stay on this for a second because we're talking about that running is hard and that you got to put a lot of hours into it. So how have you been able to stay motivated through the years to keep going? Oh, uh, well, I mean, the honest answer is I haven't always been super motivated. I mean, I've had a lot of ups. I've had a lot of downs. Like there's been periods in my, uh, my life where like, I haven't been able to run as much. You know, I have three kids and like when they were young, I didn't run as much. When I got hired on in the fire department, uh, you know, your first year is like called probation and you have to work a lot at the job and I didn't run as much. I mean, there's just been times like I've been injured before. I, I couldn't run as much. I've had surgeries before I couldn't run. I wish I could say for 20 years, I was completely motivated, but you know, the world goes up, the world goes down and you know, sometimes uh, not so much now lately, how do I stay motivated? It, you know, I mean, again, the answer is that I'm not always motivated. Um, I think I've formed a really, really strong habit and I'm really, really good at consistency at this point in my life. And so beyond the motivation is just like the consistency of doing it day in and day out. And it like, it's just part of my routine now. It's part of like what I do. And I don't really think I don't wake up and go, Oh, I wish I, I feel motivated right now. I mean, I still wake up in the morning and I'm like tired and like, you know, I don't want to get out of bed. And like, you know, I have all those every morning I have all those thoughts. Like mm -hmm. I would love to, you know, I wake up at three 30 every morning. I would love to sleep in 
and like, you know, stay in that warm bed with my wife, but like I get my ass up and then I like start my morning routine and it's like, then I put my running shoes on and I go for a run and like, you know, the first mile sucks. I hate it. Like I feel sore and stiff and like, maybe it's raining. It's probably dark outside. There's a thousand excuses. I don't want to do it, but like after a mile or so, my body warms up. I start to feel good. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. And, you know, I, I just, I, I keep going. So if you're going to wait for motivation, probably not going to happen. And, you know, people that look for motivation, you know, you're going to fail because everything's inside your brain is always going to tell you to take the easier, softer route because the brain is lazy. So you just have to kind of push through that and, 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 and try to stay on a consistent plane form those habits so that like you can just stay consistent and not really have to worry about motivation. There are things that you can do to motivate yourself, right? You can like sign up for a race and you can put yourself on a race plan and you're like, you know, you're shooting for something that what happens when the race is over, then are you not motivated anymore? You know? So it's like some people need goals to like stay motivated and that's okay. Like, you know, set a goal and it could be a yearly goal. It could be, you know, I talk a lot about goals because like, I love goals, but like, you know, you got to break it up. Is it a yearly goal? Okay. Well, if it's a yearly goal, then, you know, break it up into 12 months and focus on each month. Is it a monthly goal? Then break it up into weeks. Is it a weekly goal? Break it up into days. And, and, and by doing that, you're able to like add it together and get a bigger result. The, the old, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? If you look at the elephant, you're like, I can't eat this. But if you just start eating one bite at a time, the next thing you know, the elephant's gone. Unless you're vegan like me, and then you're not going to eat an elephant, but you'd eat something big. So, you know, I run these hundred mile races. I never, ever think to myself, I got a hundred miles to run. I think to myself, what's the next aid station? You know, is it six miles away? Okay. I just have to run six miles. Anybody can run six miles, right? I mean, it's, yes. it's, uh, you get to that six miles and then you're like, okay, when's the next aid station? You know, five miles. Okay. I'm just running five miles. And you just run to that next aid station or whatever it is. You know, you gotta you gotta break it up. Like whenever you said waiting for motivation is it's not gonna happen. It's like if you are waiting to do something, it's like you or you you just you can't wait to do something. You have to just start it right then and there. I did want to bring up you you said you were vegan and I just I did want to ask, how did you get into that or like how did you find out about that? And like what have you, I guess, found through that? I'm not a pushy, a vegan. Like I'm not, I don't tell people what to do. My kids are not vegan. They eat meat. I'm, I've been plant-based. I've been vegetarian for a really long time. Like, um, like, I don't know, maybe 18 years or something like that. And like three years ago, I got a dairy allergy. When you're a vegetarian and you get a dairy allergy, guess what you are? Mm-hmm. Vegan. So yeah, I mean, that's basically the origin story of being vegan. As far as being vegetarian, it kind of started as like, I was like a really, really big meat eater, like all I pretty much ate. And uh, I used to talk a lot of shit about people that didn't eat like vegetarians. And my cousin decided to become vegetarian. And so I was talking shit about him. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it for a month. I'm going to do it for a month. And then, you know, that way I can say, then I can really talk shit about them because I've actually done it. And I won't just be like, just ignorant of like, you know, the facts. So I did it for a month and it was like, it was when I was doing a lot of triathlons and like really training hard and, um, man, I never felt better. Honestly, I, you know, I really, I had more energy. I mean, it was difficult because I was such a meat eater, but like, just, I just felt better. And so I just never went back. I never ate meat again after that. So. 
kind of a weird thing because like you know i i really you know i still miss certain aspects of meat even though it's been like almost 20 years but uh yeah for me it really works and i and i've talked to a lot of people that have gone back and forth between meat and you know non-meat and and i think like you know there's probably a lot of factors in the body like blood type and things like that that play a factor and you know if meat is good for you or not um i I've talked to people that have like certain blood types and like they went vegan or vegetarian for quite a while. And then they went back and ate meat and they felt better eating meat. So yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm not a, you know, nutritional specialist, but I know for me personally, it works. And so I do it. And you know, it's, 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 it's really nothing more complicated than that. And that's why I don't push it on people. I don't consider myself an expert on anything other than Andy Glaze. And so I don't try to give advice. I'm not a coach. I don't tell people what to do. I don't, you know, advise them. I'm just like, hey, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. And if if it works for you, then I think that's great. And if it doesn't work for you, then don't do it. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of experts on the internet. There's a lot of people you can follow that will like, that will give you an advice. And if you're looking for advice, I'm not your guy. So (laughs) I think that's awesome. I think rarely do you meet people nowadays, especially nowadays where it's just like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I'm really like, I don't mind what you're doing. Like, I'm not going to push my agenda on you. Like, I feel like now everyone's got, everyone's got their opinions and everyone's throwing them out there. Everyone wants their opinions to be the correct ones, I guess. Well, they're, they're trying to niche it out. You know, everyone's got to have their niche when you, when you're trying to make it on social media, you're trying to do something to stand out. You have to like, you know, create some sort of niche. And a lot of times people do that through diet or advice or whatever. And, you know, I, I, I don't mind hating on that. Like everybody's got to do their thing, but that's not my thing. So there's a lot of people out there. If you want, you know, you can follow them and you know, that's fine. So we're rounding the topic near of nutrition and hydration recovery anyway. So I wanted to ask you specifically, what do you like to do to recover for these um, like hundred miles, like ultra marathons that you do? I mean, I always tell people I don't really ever recover. Uh, after like a hundred mile race, Normally what I do is I go home. So, you know, I got to drive home or do something. And then I eat a lot of calories, like a couple thousand calories. And then I go to sleep and I'll sleep for like, probably like three hours. Cause everyone's like, Oh, I bet you have the best sleep after a hundred mile race, but that's not the truth. One, you're really, really sore. So it's like really hard to get comfortable. Your, your body, you know, doesn't really want like your hips, everything hurts. So it's like, you can't get comfortable, but you fall asleep because you're exhausted. Um, and then like three hours later you wake up because you're so hungry again, because your body's like, I need more food. And so then I wake up and I'll eat a bunch more. Maybe I'll take another nap after that. And I'll just kind of do that all day, sleep, eat, sleep, eat. And then like, you know, probably about 10 hours after the race has ended, then I'll go out and I like to run like five miles. So like, right when you're like really, um, you know, you're really starting to like get sore because it's been about 10 hours since you ran. I'll run five miles and that'll kind of loosen me up. And then, I mean, there's other things I'll throw in there. Like I, I'm like big on ice baths. Um, so I'll do an ice bath. Sometimes I'll, I'll go get like a massage. I don't always do that day one. Uh, a lot of times I'll do that day two, but uh, like get a, like a good leg massage. And then the whole time I'm just drinking like copious amounts of water, just like you know, really staying hydrated, really trying to flush out any toxins or anything that built up in my body. And then the next day I try to run like 15 to 20 miles, uh, like depending, um, this last hundred miler, I don't know if you saw my video, but like, 
I ran the race, drove home, like ran, did my five miles and then woke up the next day and ran a half marathon with my wife. So, you know, and then, and then like did the day and then ran, you know, another seven miles at night. So I, I got 20 miles that day. I mean, it's, that's pretty, pretty common, like five miles the day of the race ending. Cause you got to think like normally in a hundred mile race, that's like a day. So if it starts at six o'clock in the morning, you're ending the next day. So that, that day I will run another five miles. And then the next day I'll run 20, 15 to 20. It, it, it depends. It, and it really depends on how I feel, but, um, and then I just continue on and like, I'm super, super sore on day two, which would be like, say the race was Saturday. Day two would be Tuesday. I'll be like wrecked, but I, I love that. That's like my favorite. I love being so wrecked and so sore and still going out and like forcing myself to, to run and to move. I get sad when like the soreness goes away. I don't know. It's just something I, I really like. Most people hate it. And I'm like, oh man, this is like, this is like the best right now. This is so, life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that's it in a nutshell. I mean, I, I do do a little bit of stretching. I'm not a big stretcher, but I've tried to incorporate more stretching into my life. I just have like a basic 15 minute stretch routine that I like from YouTube that I watch. I watch this guy and I just, you know, it's, it's, it's really nothing hardcore. Um, I'm a very inflexible person. And so stretching is like a sort of weird thing for me because I, I'm, I'm, I'm not flexible. I never have been my whole life. And so it feels good, but I, you know, if I, if I stretch too much, then I end up pulling muscles and, and, and getting problems. So I, I don't do it a whole, whole lot. I wanted to ask you, because this has kind of been a debate on our team in recent weeks. How do you feel about like ice baths and cold plunges? You know, you said you really like them. So like, what, what do you like find the benefits out of that? Because I know we've had some guys on our team just say it's more of a placebo effect. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was, I was going to add on to that. I was just going to say like, so there's this one guy on the team. He's like, um, in the bio field, like that's what he's majoring in something like that. And he's saying that cold plunging the day before a race is, is like not good for you, but being around all the people like in your cold plunging with, and just talking to them is actually helpful if anything, but like the actual cold plunging itself does nothing if, or if anything makes it worse. So I'm not a scientist, um, but I've obviously read a lot and like listened to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of scientific data trying to really understand it from what I've read. And again, I'm not a scientist. If you're doing exercise that involves hypertrophy. So like if you are like running to failure or like really um, like, uh, like a hard workout, you're lifting weights, like heavy weights. And you're like, you know, you're trying to get stronger or you're trying to get faster. So you're doing those, like, not like a recovery day run, but like a, like a high effort run. Right. Mm -hmm. Then it's probably better to not do the cold plunge for like four to six hours afterwards. Now, if you're just doing like basic, like basic weightlifting or just like, uh, you know, just like a recovery run or just like a low effort run zone two run, then you don't necessarily have to wait. I think it does help me with, uh, like my sore muscles and everything. Obviously I run a ton, so I, ha I have noticed a difference in my recovery as far as that goes, but for me, that's not really why I do it. I do it because. I think it's important to do things that you don't want to do. And um, it teaches you to build up mental strength because you're forcing yourself to do something that, that, that your body and your mind is saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It's kind of like a little mini victory when you do it. And then also there's a lot of science about, um, you know, the dop dopamine response when you get out and things like that. So, you know, placebo, psychosomatic, maybe, 
but there is a lot of science and you can like, you can find the reports and everything about like, you know, the dopamine system and like, you know, getting these, like everyone I've done it with gets like a pretty big dopamine rush right after they get out, which is like, you know, it's like taking an antidepressive. It's, it's, it, you almost get the same feeling from cold plunging as you can get from like a really good run that like really good body high that you feel after you run and you know, after a run, you just feel good. You're like, Oh man, glad I did that. Like, I feel, you know, I feel good. Like you're giving yourself a little dopamine rush, like, like cold plunging can do that. And, um, in ultra running and and just really in life, right. You you have a lot of times where life gets really, really hard and you don't want to do things. And if you can train your mind to do things when you don't want to do them, it, it does make life a little bit easier. I've been doing them for quite a while and like, I still never want to do it. Like I have anxiety today (laughs) thinking about how I'm going to have to do a cold plunge later. I always, right before I get in, I'm like self-talking myself out of it. And like, you know, I don't want to do it. And, uh, (laughs) every day. So I I wish I could say like, it's easier or anything like that. It doesn't, um, everything in science, you can find somebody that says, Hey, this is good. And then you can find something that says, Hey, this is bad. So again, you just got to like test it out and see like, does it do anything for me? And if it does, then cool. And if it doesn't, then don't do it. I know guys that lift heavy and then they go right into the ice bath and they don't yes. have any problems, you know? And, and I know guys that wait four to six hours and, you know, I, I don't do it like real scheduled because my life is so chaotic that like I basically fit it in when I can. So sometimes that's right after a long run. And sometimes that's in the evening, right before I go to bed. It just, it depends on when I can get it in but I don't think I'm like losing fitness because I'm, I'm doing an ice bath right after I run like 20 miles. I can always uh, say that right before getting into the cold plunge, I'm just like, this is too cold. I don't want to do this. And then I just yeah. jump in and I'm like, okay, now I'll have to do a sit here. Uh, but right. yeah. And I, I do 100% believe that it does help your like, like the mental side of everything. Like, I mean, just, and I, I believe that being, mentally strong is probably one of like the most important things that you can do for your body and really just for like in general. And also I did want to bring that up for you. You run literally over a hundred miles a week. So like, what do you, how do you think that that's helped you mentally? And then also like, but like, what do you think about whenever you run for that long? So in firefighting, we see a lot of very traumatic shit, just like uh, in military and police, like, you know, just a lot of just terribleness, right? Uh, People call you, on their worst day and legitimately people are having their worst day. How do you compartmentalize all that terrible stuff that you see like every day, like dead bodies and, you know, just, I don't even want to say all the things I've seen, but I've seen a lot of really horrific things. Right. So for me, um, running far helps me like shut my brain off a little bit. And it sort of like resets the PTSD that uh, like, like tends to crop up if I stay inactive or if I don't do it. So it helps me mentally, helps me with like, you know, that sort of thing. What what do you think about whenever you run? Ideally, I'm not really thinking about much. I mean, <laughs> ideally I get to a place where my brain kind of like, it has this like click and it, and it shuts off. And that happens during like my really long races, but like daily running, the reality is, is I do like a lot of my, so I'm a union president um, for my fire department. And so there's a lot of activity that I have to, to like, deal with. And so a lot of my phone calls and stuff like that take place while I'm running. So I I basically, I I made a, like an agreement with my wife because being the union president is so time consuming that like, I won't make any business calls during 
like the day I won't do it while I'm running. And so I tend to get a lot of my like phone calls and everything like done while I'm running. Hey, that's being productive right there. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, my life is very full. And so I have to figure out a way to like multitask. I also, I do a lot of like, like I'll even do social media and stuff while I run. I get like 250 DMs a day and I like try to respond to everybody. And oh so God. like wow. the only way I can like do that is like while I'm running, which is like challenging, but like, yeah. you know, uh, I, and that's why if, if anybody's listening to this, it's why all my DM messages replies tend to be very short because uh, it's hard to like type out a big, long message while you're running. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, I, I I, I try, if, you know, if it warrants a longer response then I'll save it and try to respond later with a, like a longer response. But, you know, I try to like stay active with my, like the, my community and like, you know, I'm trying to encourage people to, to like stay active and be better and like, you know, do hard things. And, you know, all the, all the, all the things I say, I only have 24 hours, just like everybody else. So it, it, it's hard. And it's just like, a a juggling act of trying to get as much done as I can in the same amount of time everybody else has. I don't know. I mean, I like podcasts. I, I'll listen to podcasts. I, I listen to uh, Audible. I have an Audible account. I like listening to books. I listen to music, but normally I only listen to music when I race because I like the like the music, almost like a drug, you know, like I will like starve <laughs> myself of it. And then oh, during yeah. a race, like, you know, listen to it and, and it I tends to you. like motivate me, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, it is kind of like a drug. I'll try not to listen to it when I'm just training. I listen to podcasts and then also like listening to podcasts and stuff like kind of slows you down because mm. you're not like, oh, and like wanting yeah. to run fast when like some guys like, and the scientific, this is like, it's like, it's hard to get like really like pumped up on that. So I'm trying to learn while I'm running, you know, it's, it's everything I'm trying to trying to get better. I'm trying to, you know, understand new things, new concepts. Just doing I, everything a, while you're running. Yeah, I'm obsessed. Well, I mean, I run like on average 30, 30 hours a week. So it's almost like a full-time job of, of running. Yeah. So I would be amiss to just waste that time just running. You know, I mean, if I 30 hours a week, if I'm listening to books and listening to podcasts, like that's a lot of time to like, you know, improve myself too, make me a better person. You know, yeah. I, I I try to practice what I preach, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make other people better people, but I'm also constantly trying to make myself better. Also, you said you wake up at like 3 a.m. every day, right? Yeah, like it's been between 2.30 and 3.30, but lately it's been uh, mostly 3.30. What time do you get up bed at night? Like around 10. You uh, only get like five hours of, wait, am I doing this? Yeah, about five and a half. Yeah, five something and a half like hours that. Of, wow. Yeah. Let's see, the thing is, as a firefighter, like I get really shitty sleep at work because people call 911 mm-hmm. all night. Like five and a half hours of sleep feels like a lot to me because like I'm used to like waking up every two hours to like go run a 911 call or fight a fire or whatever. So sleep is very important and all the science tells you that sleep is very important. But if you're going to be a firefighter, you're going to get screwed on sleep. And uh, I don't know, I'm screwed. So I I just kind of embrace (laughs) it instead of like, you know, trying to fight it or or whatever. And like I said, I'll take a nap in the afternoon, you know, to try to catch up a little bit more. But like, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's I I don't I don't know if I could get by on five and a half hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah, and also when you're just, young too. You need less sleep. I mean, yeah. when I God, when I was in college, I was like I didn't want to take a class. I, I wake up at one o'clock every every afternoon. You know, I yeah. I would take nine p.m. classes. <laughs> you know, because that just worked better for my schedule than like, you know, I would 
I remember freshman year, they just like self-assigned you all your classes and they gave me like an 855 class. And to this day, I still think about how terrible that was. You know, it's like now that, that would be no big deal. You know, now I'm 45 and I'm like an 855 class. I've already run, you know, 10 miles before that. But like when I was 18, that was like the worst thing that had ever happened to me. I, I felt like it was like a, you know, a hate crime or something. The sleep schedule is like highly important. Uh, we do not wake up anywhere near how early like you wake up. But I mean, like we definitely wake up a lot earlier than everyone else on campus. But whenever we go run, I mean, we wake, we wake up at like before six o'clock. Uh, again, nowhere near like you No, like we have to really like make sure we go to bed on time or else we are like screwed for the workout in the morning. Yeah. Isn't it nice though seeing the sunrise it and, is. Like, you know, every morning? I mean, it's, it's rewarding. I, I love, I love watching the sunrise every morning. I'm like, Oh, this is really pretty. Yeah. yeah. I will say that we have one route where we run, we go, we go and run this little lake loop. And um, we run there, and then by the time we come back, like we're cooling down from the workout we just did, and you go up this hill, and you can just see the sunrise. It's great. It's really nice. Yeah. I, I love that jog, little jog back. In that sense, it's very rewarding. But in the morning, it does feel like a hate crime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like rough. It's real rough. Mm -hmm. We transitioned over a little bit to you trying to motivate people and uh, answering DMs and stuff. So, how did content creating start for you? You know, Instagram started introducing those reels. And, and I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I never was on TikTok or anything. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, and I just started like watching them, you know, and they get kind of addictive. And I was like, maybe I'll just start making some for running, you know, and mine were, they're terribly, terribly dumb at first, you know, because I know, no, nobody knew what they were doing. You know, we were all just like making these, I, I wasn't on TikTok, so I hadn't seen what had gone on on TikTok, but I was just, you know, you're, you're mouthing words and doing all this shit. And it's like. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I started, like when the reel started, I had like 3000 followers and they were basically just following me because, you know, they knew that I ran a lot of ultra races and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, and yeah, then you start getting like a couple, couple reels go viral and they'd always be like the dumbest ones. I'm like, this is the one that's getting a million views. And it's like, <laughs> it took me like five seconds to make. And it's so stupid. I'm like, okay. And then like, uh, I started looking at TikTok and like, I would put like different things on TikTok than I would on Instagram. And I started making these like longer format videos of me running like the hundred mile races. And they started just going absolutely viral on TikTok. Like I think I have a lot that have over 10 million views. Um, wow. And so it was like, I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. And so then, but then I would try to do the same thing I was doing on Instagram on TikTok and it would just absolutely bomb. I was like trying to figure it out. I'm like, okay, so on TikTok, they actually want to like know who I am and they actually want to like see my personality. And I'm like actually talking to TikTok and on Instagram, they want me to like dance like a clown. You know? <laughs> so I was like, you know, you're like, I'm trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And um, I just kept getting like bigger and bigger on TikTok. And then finally, like some companies would like take my TikTok videos and put them on Instagram. And they would go like, you know, I get like a couple of my videos got like 50, 60 million views on Instagram. And so I started getting more and more followers. And then finally, I was just like, I'm just going to do the same thing I'm doing on TikTok on Instagram and just like be myself. And like, you know, occasionally I'll throw a motivational video up there or whatever, but like mostly just talk to the camera and, you know, do my thing. And I don't know, it just, I mean, it kind of works out. There's not like a whole lot of, uh, you know, ultra runners out there talking about running hundred mile races and stuff. And so I, it just kind of 
like slowly per- progressed and then that's where I'm at. You know, I mean, it's kind of cool. I, I, I don't make any money off of it. I just do it in my spare time. I just do it for fun. And like, you know, I'm not sponsored or anything like that. Although I do get quite a few emails every day. Everybody wants to sponsor me, but really, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I don't want to be a NASCAR, you know, with all the like patches on me, like, you know, I, I know what I like and I use it, and, you know, so I'm, it's, it's been a weird progression, you know, cause and social media changes so much. It's always like, you're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, sometimes my shit bombs and sometimes my shit goes viral and you just kind of have to roll with the punches. You know, I, 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 I'm not sponsored or anything, so it doesn't matter. You know, if like one of mine goes like bombs and I'm like, okay, cool. If one of them goes viral, it's like either it doesn't really matter, you know, cause I don't have any pressure that, you know, there's nobody telling me, oh, you're not doing well this week. And if you, again, if you stay consistent, then eventually it like, it ebbs and it flows, it ebbs and it flows. I think that the, it's the same with uh, all things like those social media companies, they're like messing with your like dopamine response. And so they like, you know, they'll like push one of your videos and it'll do really well. And you'll be like, oh, this is so cool. And then you'll have like 10 bombs and you'll start to like feel like shit. Like, oh, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And then they like push another one. You're like, yeah, it feels so good. I would say that that kind of happened to us a couple weeks. We had this, uh, our Instagram account going like for some reason, our second video, I wouldn't say it went viral, but like, I mean, for the second video, video, it did pretty well. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. And then <laughs> the next like 10 videos I posted, I got barely any views. And I was just like, wait a second, like this this just happened it's basically the same thing and then i don't know then next thing you know like the next one like i posted that was really stupid like like you said it was just such a stupid video and then it just went nuts and i was like what just happened i don't know i have two videos on tiktok right now that are both over 10 million views that are going off right now they both have like over a million likes like one has 1.6 one has like 1.4 million likes and then i posted something the other day and it got 10,000 views you know it's like you can't you know, I'm like, okay, I don't, yeah, honestly, I don't give a shit. So <laughs> you know, like, and I have, I have like 230,000 followers. So it's like, how does that make sense? It doesn't. Don't try to stress out about it. You know, you're not all going to be like the famous person that gets, you know, 500,000 views on every video, but you know, occasionally you'll hit. And if, if you do just realize it's just the algorithm messing with your dopamine system. Yeah. We had this one dude on the podcast a few weeks ago. His name is Matt Choi. Do you know him? I mean, I, I don't know him. We follow yeah. each other. He He's mutual friends with one of my friends. And so, like, I, I know of him because of that. But, like, you know, I've never met him or anything. He lives in Texas, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never met him, but, he yeah, he's pretty big. Yeah. I did want to just jump into this. How, how did you get into ultra marathon running? How did that actually happen? I got into ultra running because I was doing obstacle horse racing. I used to do a lot of Tough Mudders. Like everything in my life, I got obsessed with them and I was doing like tons and tons and tons of Tough mutters. And I would go and I would do like two or three in a day. So I would like do one loop, which is like 12 miles, 13 miles. And I do another loop and then I would do another loop. And so I was like doing these like crazy amounts of obstacles. Well, Tough mutter started doing world's toughest mutter. And they, it was a 24 hour Tough mutter where you would go out and run like a five mile loop with 20 obstacles as many times as you could in 24 hours. So I signed up for it and I was like, okay, how am I going to train for this? Well, I started training for it by training. I'd go out and I was, I started doing 50 K ultra marathons. So a 50 K ultra marathon is 31 miles. So I did that. 
And then like kind of the next step up from 51K is 50 miles. And so I started running 50 milers. And then you go into 100K, which is 62 miles. And so I was basically like training for like um, these 24-hour Tough Mudders by like running ultra marathons. And then then I was like, well, I kind of like this better than the Tough Mudders. And so then I just quit the Tough Mudders and now I just do the ultra running. So, I mean, that's, that's how I got into it. And then, you know, then everyone's like, you know, hundred miles, the, you know, that's like the pinnacle distance. And so I trained really, really hard over a couple of years, ran my first hundred. And then I was like, wow, this is, this is really fun. And then I've, you know, I'm kind of addicted to the hundred mile distance. I mostly just do that. One year they had this like crazy windstorm that we all were subjected to. Like it was in <laughs> Vegas and it was like 60 mile and we had to wear like ski goggles. Oh my God. Wow. I, 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 one year I, I got hypothermia and I didn't get very many. I think I only got like 10 and I, and I can't remember what I did the first year. It wasn't anything like I wasn't, it wasn't anything as impressive as I had sought out to do, but like, that's why I, I started running ultras was like, I wanted to do these like tough mutters, like that were 24 hours. But I think if I went back now, mentally, I'm a, in, a, in a better place than I was back then. I was in a weird spot in my life back then, too. I was in like a kind of unhealthy relationship. A lot of other things going on that uh, like I'm not that's not where I'm at now. So I think it would be better. But um, it was like I didn't do anything. It wasn't impressive, like uh, as impressive as I would want it to be. Like you said you got hypothermia and you only did 10 laps. Like we had, we had to run in full wetsuits, you know, because you're, you're in and out of water the whole time. At one point you had to jump like a 50 foot cliff into the water, you know, and that hurts so bad. You know, like if you lean forward too much, it hits your, your, your private areas. If you lean back too far, it hits the back of your head. Like you hit the water and then you had to swim across a lake and then like climb up like this netting up like two flights up this. I mean, it was like insane. You know, like some of the obstacles were like, and you're just, and then you're, then you had to run and it's like freezing cold at night and windy and you're wet. So you had, it was just, it was madness. It was like, it was very, very challenging. And, and the longer you go on, like your hands, just like you lose dexterity, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just like, like I could still run, but like, they're like, all right, now climb over those monkey bars, you know, or like. You had to run and like hit a trampoline, launch yourself in the air, grab a bar and then swing across like a, like a, a thing of water and land on another trampoline, you know, so it's like American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> yeah. But like, but like, think about like, as you like the night progresses and you're getting tireder and tireder and like, it's like, it's just a, like, it's a challenge, you know? Um, and then some of the things they would make you do were like, literally like you had to be like, you know, have some dexterity in your hands and my hands would just start failing, you know, and, and it, it was hard, but it was fun. You know, everyone's out there doing it together and, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a good community. Um, the more I did, I did lots of them obviously. And like, you know, the same people show up and you, you become friends with them and you know, that whole thing, same as ultras, you know, it's like, I know all the ultra people pretty much. So I go to all these races and I'm like, I know everybody and it's, it's fun. I mean, that's basically how I got into it. Two rapid fire questions real quick. Okay. Um, so what is your, what's your favorite running shoe then? I, I wear Hoka, Hoka Clifton's. Yeah. That makes sense. So how often do you change your pair of shoes? So every 400 miles, which, you know, can change. Like sometimes I run 180 miles a week. Sometimes I run 140. So probably on average, every two and a half weeks, I'll change wow. them. That's, that's crazy to us. And then my second one would be, what is 
your favorite like is there a place that stuck out to you you've been like wow this is this is my favorite place to run an ultra marathon yeah so i do this race um in europe it's in the alps which are like their their mountain range um and you start in chamonix france which is kind of like the aspen of europe if you've ever been to like aspen it's like a really ritzy ski town Mm -hmm. um in this like beautiful like you know mountainous valley so it's like the valley and then just like the Alps on both sides and like they're all ski resorts and everything. And, and you basically run, it's like 106 miles. You run up and over the Alps into Italy and then you run up and over into Switzerland and then you run up and over back into France. And I think you climb 12 mountains on the way. So it has 30, I think 34,000 feet of climbing. And 34,000 feet of descent over 106 miles. I mean, it's, it's, I've done it three times. It's very, very difficult, but I always say it's, it's like my favorite race just because it is so beautiful. It's really hard to explain how beautiful it is. Um, The Alps are just like, it's, they're just pure magic. It's in like kind of the same place where they do like the Tour de France. Yeah. But obviously the Tour de France is like on the road and this is like, uh, you know, trails that, that, that's probably like, you know, I, you know, it's kind of like, that's my answer always. I just love that race, but I did, I did have a really cool race in China. That was pretty equally like epic. That was like in the, uh, the foothills of the Himalayas. So like Southwestern China and, um, in like a real rural area where they've probably never really seen white people before. And like, there's no electricity and everyone's like, they're, they're doing all the tiered agriculture and farming with like ox and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I ran a hundred miles out there and that was pretty, pretty amazing as well. Like running through like giant bamboo forests and running through these mountains that are like, you know, they're like eight, 10,000 feet tall, but they're just foothills because the Himalayas are like in the, you know, the, the background. And we were running on this road uh, that was like literally, you know, tens of thousands of years old that they used to use to go to India to like trade spices and silk. And, you know, it's like this cobblestone road and you're like, how many thousands of people have gone on this road before? You know, it's like this ancient, ancient road at times. And that, that was pretty cool too. If I can find a race where I get to like go somewhere to do it, you know, I I love to do that. I love to like get out of the country and, you know, see other cultures. I think it's important to like expand your horizon and see, you know, the way other people live and, you know, we, we tend to be a little ethnocentric in America and it's, it's good to go out and see the rest of the world and realize there are a lot of other people out there and, and we're all kind of the same. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's a great way to end it. We probably should probably end it. Uh, yeah. it is, <laughs> I can talk forever. I always tell I, people, don't ask me anything about running because I will just talk and talk and talk and talk. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. I, I cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed talking to you and I like, I'm so appreciative for you coming on and, you know, talking with us for, for like an hour. It's yeah. been so much fun. No, I've really yeah. enjoyed it, but I do have one final one. We ask everyone okay. this. Have you ever been to a Bucky's before? I have not. I've not. But my buddy just got back from Tennessee and he told me all about it. He told me that that it's amazing. (laughs) Like literally, I was just running with him yesterday and he talked about it for like 20 minutes straight about how amazing it is. (laughs) But I have never been. He's probably told you everything but i mean it is it is a great place to go to highly recommend 10 out of 10 for everyone listening i've been to a bucky's now i went i finally went and i love it it's 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 a happy place (laughs) (laughs) 
But thank you so much. We've really enjoyed this. And I know we took an hour of your time, so we really, really oh, appreciate it. It's um, all good, man. I had a great time and it was fun. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been another episode of The Dorm Room with Charlie Rook and Baxter Friedman. And we will catch you all next time.